morning, everybody. Welcome to the uh, first edition of the uh, podcast here with the Michigan Freedom Fund. I'm Tony Daunt. I'm going to be the host and um, got a few guests here to get things kicked off. We've got Greg McNeely, chairman of the Michigan Freedom Fund. John Selleck, president and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs and a longtime uh, capital hand around here. And Beth Deshone, executive director of the Great Lakes Education Project. And um, obviously, you know, I think the topic of the hour would be Governor Gretchen Whitmer and her second state of the state address. I think we probably all have some things to think about that. So getting down to business. Um, we'll just go around the table here, and I'm curious, Greg, what were your um, kind of initial impressions of the speech? Well, if I had to write a headline, it'd be small and Trumpian. Okay. Trumpian in terms of? The disconnect from reality. Uh, I mean, she said a lot of things that, uh, and took credit for a lot of things that the previous administration had done or that she had no part in. And small that in a way that, obviously it lacked big ideas or any bold ideas, but when you're listing social events you held or flying a flag in a 36-minute speech as an accomplishment, it tells me you've done nothing. Uh, and so as we approach the uh, halftime of her administration, um, it's really kind of pathetic. I thought, it, I thought it was interesting that the only real accomplishment that seemed to be pointed to was uh, the auto insurance uh, reform. And she played it off as though she was this big part of it, but when in reality um, it, was, it was forced upon her by the Republican legislative leaders. She wasn't going to sign it until um, you know, Dan Gilbert and others basically said, we'll take this to the ballot and it'll pass overwhelmingly. And that was a missed opportunity for her to actually build a bridge with the legislature and to, to ham up, if it were, uh, bipartisanship. And uh, in, in trying to take that on as a personal accomplishment, when again, the reality is that it was a legislative accomplishment, which she signed, uh, that was a missed opportunity and, and sad. John, what about you? What was your initial impression? I think, like, <clears throat> looking at the structure of the speech, the way it's been reported on, especially looking at all the stories this morning, it's all reported on as that was an uh, offensive speech. She was on offense. She's impatient. She's going to turn dirt. She's sick of waiting around. But I really think um, it was successful her, for her in this aspect. But it really, it's a defensive speech. It's 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 from weakness. One, obviously, because the road plan from last year was such a spectacular failure. Um, on all accounts. Um, even the stories last night still continue to note that her own party would not introduce a bill or embrace that plan. And then number two, the plan B, which I think got basically an E from pretty much everybody outside uh, that doesn't have a state road, which is 90% of Michigan uh, roads are not state. Um, that plan is incomplete. Um, it doesn't do enough. And so the aggressive rhetoric was meant to sort of shield or cloak the new plan as um, from it, from seeing its weaknesses. Well, and, I, and Greg, you had you had mentioned Trumpian, and we kind of hit on that, and that that was another issue of you know she made a, a point of talking about how the the toxic nature of Washington D.C. and it's unfortunate that it seems to be bleeding over here into Lansing, and then she goes on basically a thirty minute rant about how terrible and worthless the the legislature is, and particularly the Republican leaders. Well, and the, the irony of that is is she started her speech uh, with an homage to Bill Milliken, which I thought was great but a bit hypocritical when this comes from a person who is speaking whose impulse is to always go to the, the mean girl's face whenever she perceives an attack. I mean, that is her default position. And so, uh, you know, Rick Snyder could have given an homage to uh, Milliken and it would have been heartfelt and it would have been sincere, but coming from 
Governor Whitmer, our governor, it just fell flat. Somebody who spent their entire time in Lansing lobbing bombs from a, from a minority leadership position, gumming up the works, not looking to make the gears move smoothly, right? Well, and as a parent who's had to be on multiple class trips to Arch Rock, um, I know the only uh, uh, group that she's looking to influence there are the parents who are up with little kids who need a place to go to the bathroom after being on that carriage <laughs> for a half an hour. Um, so they're solving that, um, that, that universe. The other thing I thought was interesting, though, about what universes she was targeting, um, we saw with all the cuts and ad board changes she did, which obviously backfired on her um, politically, she was aiming to hurt Republicans. She was trying to figure out, how do I make Republican districts squirm? Um, every plan is a choice, and she can ex use the excuse that this type of bonding that she's doing has restrictions on it. But I have a feeling once we lay a map of where the projects are allowed to happen with the House districts in Michigan, we're going to see again the Republican districts don't get squat. And they, they basically signaled that during the speech. Um, if you don't like what this does, then you should call your legislator. So they chose a plan intentionally. That adds $3.5 billion in debt that everybody will pay for in all the districts for roads that maybe all, most of these people are ever going to see. By the way, she said, uh, call your legislative leadership. She didn't say call your uh, legislative. She you know, tried to put the, uh, the focus on, on leadership. You know, I think roads are quickly becoming a very regional issue and partisan issue. What do I mean by that? Well, in West Michigan, where traditionally the municipalities have a better, do better at asset management than Southeast Michigan, the roads are better. And for the next three years, when you see an orange barrel, it's not the Whitmer plan, uh, this Trumpian claim of hers. It's the Snyder plan that's being played out, because uh, that spending still is in the, the pipeline. And so it's just this, this weird world that she lives in. I think she was successful for the night in terms of winning a new cycle, right. but she just continues this uh, projection of being a manager, not a leader. She didn't inspire, she instructed. Her, she had small, if we're charitable, tactical ideas, not big, bold uh, solutions. And so uh, maybe she's just playing to her strengths and, and settling into an authentic Whitmer, which is a small project manager and is gonna be largely irrelevant and this would be the era of missed opportunities. Well, I think that's reflected in the fact that the speech was so short. You know, everybody likes to joke around, oh, we didn't have to waste a lot of time. All the parties that happened before the speech probably lasted longer than the, the speech itself. Um, but that, it, that does tell you, if you had a lot to say, the speech would have been longer. Other governors um, of both parties go longer because there was a lot to say. And they, so they didn't have a lot to say um, when they looked at it. Um, and I think that <clears throat> that's certainly reflected in the shortness of it and the lack of, of bold ideas. What about Beth? What, what kind of, what was your initial impression? What stood out to you? I, th I think I may have an idea of a word in particular, but uh, I'll let you share. Well, sure. I mean, overall, it was completely underwhelming, but when it came to her parts on education, um, it was disheartening um, and, and shameful. Uh, she's picking winners and losers in this preschool plan. Uh, she's picking winners and losers when it comes to, to funding certain students more than others and, and valuing them more than others. But most critical is this fact that she is going to publicly undermine the state's literacy safety net for our struggling readers and publicly go and find ways to uh, pass kids forward. Um, it's immoral and, and shameful. I, I thought the use of the word punitive um, in describing this law was was so pathetic because what is punitive is 
putting kids forward through the education system when they lack the skills to be successful, that's, pu that's punitive, that's criminal. Um, it, it basically ensures them a life of um, lack of opportunity and success. And, and um, to publicly undermine it in that fashion, I think, is again, shows kind of the true nature of her, is to continually be lashing out towards ideas or people that she has a disagreement with. Yeah. I also think it shows that there's, there's this unfortunate trend in the Democrat Party where they gravitate towards uh, solutions that aren't evidence-based and reject evidence-based and science-based uh, policies in favor of sort of jingoistic or bumper sticker statements. And you see this in education in particular where the evidence shows if you do not read by third grade that you're, you're in a pipeline to prison or some other government-assisted living. And if you don't correct it at that point, then we're dooming these kids. And to hand a diploma to somebody who can't read it is, I think, uh, tantamount to uh, child abuse. And yet, the evidence is clear, and she's just paying back a big donor of hers, the Michigan Education Association. And to be that captive to union bosses is really kind of sad. Well, the, the first payback to the MEA was supposed to be the massive shell game that involved the gas tax. That didn't work out, so she's moved on to some other policy issues. Good point. To, to try to move that front. And <clears throat> additionally, you look at, even when she talked about that, it didn't garner the headlines. When you look at the like big picture effectiveness of the speech, um, <clears throat> those who were captive to the audience last night, and especially if you're on Twitter, thought, oh, here's this aggressive speech, blah, blah, blah. But how many of us are on Twitter? A very small segment. So this morning, like when I got up, this, I got my phone out and I looked on Detroit News, uh, Detroit Free Press, both stories led with um, Mark D'Antonio. Right? Yep. And in the Lansing State Journal, the home paper, it led off with marijuana, marijuana brownies. Now, Mark D'Antonio wasn't eating marijuana brownies. <laughs> to be clear. And after this season, <laughs> that we're aware he of. probably would have enjoyed some. <laughs> Perhaps some of the players were. I don't know. <laughs> but that even an issue as significant as the one that Beth brings up didn't penetrate right. or, or, or get through to the world. That's it's pretty fascinating. It's a troubling for her administration. She got through the whole first year basically giving the same PowerPoint about a roads plan that Christine Gregg didn't even want. So I'd call this it extreme. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly what we're going to see out of this one is she's not going to go on a tour talking about third grade reading. They are starting to turn the ship on health care. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. They're trying from a national level down. But we fully, once, once that list of 122 projects is released from the, the Transportation Commission meeting this morning, uh, they probably already have a schedule right now. And there will be the hard hat and the yellow vest, and she'll be appearing at, at all those. Next to the bridges that she vetoed. Uh, it'll, so you mentioned healthcare. Um, that seems to be very clear a, a signal or play for national attention. And if you th and if you keep in mind that she has this high stakes rebuttal uh, yeah. uh, to the the president's address, um, one wonders if she's already given up on Michigan and this is just all pageantry for uh, VP uh, audition. And so the whole ACA play plays to that crowd. And if last night was about doing no harm, get in, get out, short speech, have no, none of your administration present for any questions, zero surrogates. Is that incompetence on in our communications teams or intentional because there's no details or we don't want to have any further conversation? Like just major head scratcher. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, they, you she know, could have called you. You probably would have shown up. I would have had a few things to say. <laughs> Tony would have shown up. Tony hey, was, I was there. there, right? I did. I had a few things to say, and <laughs> I, I said them proudly. Um, and you know, this this issue about kind of the national, um, it does appear that she is focusing solely on raising her national profile, 
doesn't care about governing here in Michigan and almost feels like if I can do the right thing from a national perspective, I'll be gone and this won't be my problem. Um, you know, in many ways, this bonding, that's kind of the same mindset, right? Of let's, let's pull from the future to pay for some present projects, not worry about the fact that it's going to be costing our children, children's children, you know, everybody down the road the money to pay for this. And we're still paying for the bonding service, the debt service from the Angler years, and he left office 18 years ago. And that's um, hundreds of millions of dollars off the top. As, as the projects go online, that won't go towards maintenance, that won't go towards keeping up what we currently have. And, um, but you know, from a fiscal standpoint, the real losers here, I think, is higher ed, because higher ed has other streams of revenue other than the state sources. And when you had to look at paying that credit card that the governor's charging these roads on, uh, looks to me like higher ed is the, uh, the sacrifice, and that you'll have to have higher ed cough up uh, additional state or uh, potentially future projected revenues to pay right. for this this debt, at least the interest on it. So Right. I think I initially it sure seems like the, the first two threads of opposition or frustration from voters and other groups are gonna be um, the the narrow focus because of the plan, the path that she picked on only state trunk line roads which ignore the other ninety percent of the roads. Um, and then just the debt part itself. I think there's some people, and I've even thought it at times, America, boy, you're like, gosh, now you have to take out, you can take out a 72-month car loan. Let's put everything <laughs> on our credit card, right? Um, but I think those people are feeling that pressure. They're taking out those loans because that's what they can afford. And if you just even take a passing glance at Facebook, which can be a scary thing, you see underneath, beyond the crazies, is a lot of stress about how much, how much spending government's doing and what the heck they're doing with it. No one trusts them at all, and I don't understand how she thinks that everybody will be comfortable taking on a massive debt when, if you look on there, at best people think it's due to incompetence in government, and at worst they think it's just flat out corrupt, um, and, and throwing on another $3 billion, and then still have your lieutenant governor say last night, well, this plan doesn't actually solve the problem. <laughs> that seems to kind of be an issue. <laughs> you know, that very, very true of, you know, they're not even on, on message of what this will do, and trying to take credit for it. Um, were there any... You know, aside from the roads, the, the education, was there anything that was surprising to anybody that she touched on? Um, you know, was, was the tone itself surprising or, or was everybody kind of expecting more of a combative tone? You know, I, I know I was kind of thinking based on the, the coverage coming uh, leading up to it that she was going to take a more combative tone um, because, again, she was defensive. She hadn't had any accomplishments. And I'm just curious what, what everybody else thought. I, I found it interesting. I, I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, she has a history of combative behavior um, being in the legislature as a minority leader, but I think she she blanketly ignored the entire legislature, I think to some degree, and I have to imagine what that means to her allies, uh, you know, in the Democratic Party. This this wasn't a completely heavy hand at just Mike Shirky and Lee Chatfield. She, she really <laughs> singled out the entire yeah. legislative body. Good point. Um, I think Bethany's a good point about the, the, her legislative allies having to feel disinfected. I didn't think there was any combativeness in the uh, speech. It was sort of passive-aggressive, which of course is not an offensive strategy of a leader. Uh, it's, it's usually the position of somebody who's weak or, you know, from a Weaselton type of uh, character. <laughs> uh, um, but, I mean, if she, if, she, if she wanted to fight hard for her ideas, she should have done that. I mean, we can all recall uh, when Governor Granholm or Governor Engler 
fought hard for something. Uh, he was very direct and very candid, and he made a case for it. Uh, and he also called out his opposition usually by name. Uh, you know, there was, there was none of that. And so just weakness. Uh, she's almost becoming an asterisk, just a, a missed, missed opportunity that um, Melba toast. I think well, you know, what Beth said is really interesting. And maybe because I worked in the legislature, I have more of a focus on it. But those are her troops are both in the House and Senate. They kind of got slapped around and left with nothing to run on last year. And then they got ignored last night and kind of just lumped in with all the troubles. It doesn't speak well to the relationship between her and her own party, which was supposed to be a strength of hers because she'd spent a bazillion years in the legislature. She knew how to do those things. And really, I expected the tone to be combative. I mean, I, when, I was in that, when I worked for the speaker in the House majority and we were on the floor every day, she was the lead person to go to the microphone and take a whack at you. That's what she did best. Now she's trying to figure out how do I govern and lead and also be that person. And I, those two things don't work together super duper well. The surprise for me may not have surprised, but what I think is the unwritten story is the health care issue. You saw it first where Speaker Pelosi was trying desperately to steer something different for Alyssa Slack and get her, you know, why do we have to keep talking about impeachment, even though she was out front talking about it all the time? Not a great issue for her and her district. Um, they passed some stuff in December about prescription drugs. Then you saw Whitmer do a, a small event a couple weeks ago about that. When the graphic came out from Speaker Pelosi's office, it was all health care issues, including her taking credit for Healthy Michigan. She didn't turn back to Mike Shirky last night and say, hey, thanks, bud. I, that was, I noticed <laughs> right. that, too. I was like, she could have at least pointed out that he was a key part of making, get that through a conservative if house she wanted, If she wanted to build bridges and be an effective leader. Yep. Right, and so advocating. I think that thread, like you mentioned earlier, is going to go right through to the State of the Union response speech. Democrats are desperate to get off from the mess they've been on because they jump at every single thing that they can hit Trump on, and then they realize, whoa, he's more slippery, he's better at this than we are, so now we have to pull back, adjust to the next issue, start attacking. But they kind of forgot what helped them in 2018 was to um, go after healthcare nonstop, even when they weren't really telling the story, the truth. Um, and they're, so they're sort of trying to get there. I don't know if they're gonna be able to pull it off. There's so much noise out there. It's an issue that matters to voters big time, without a doubt. I don't know if they can pull that off, but that'll go in through the thread in the State of the Union response. And I have to assume, having watched last night, maybe we talk about that for a minute, um, what is she going to talk about? And my initial question was, well, how much control will she have over the content? If you're Pelosi, why would you let her control anything? But um, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. But last night's thing was basically um, Republicans, i.e., meaning Trump, and everybody in Michigan, they don't want to do anything. They just want to play games. They want to fight. Look at me and my kitchen table issues, and we'll just get things done. We, Democrats will get things done for you when not only is it an audition for vice president, but I think it's Pelosi and the D.C. Democrats desperately trying to let everybody everybody in their base know. I know you've been going through this slog of insanity and the Dem nomination for months on end, and you might end up with Bernie Sanders, and I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> Here's somebody that doesn't sound like Bernie Sanders and the progressives. They didn't pick a progressive to do the speech. They picked her. But in kind of the that the un, like the lack of facing reality too on, on pushing for any kind of Obamacare, ACA, whatever you want to call it, implementation or change here in Michigan with the legislature, um, it's obvious that it's just a political play, right? Um, there's no chance of that happening with Republicans. Um, so why even bring it up if you're, if it's, you're just going to use it as a cudgel to beat them over the head? Politics. Well, what about any, if, any bright spots. I, for me, there was one bright spot, um, and it was, uh, you know, the little kid, Monty um, Scott, you know, I thought he was awesome. And 
you know, kind of brought a little bit of levity with his, you know, the way he was waving around and kind of bring <laughs> thriving on it. Um, I, anybody, anything stand out to anybody? Um, I agree with you. That was a, that was a really good moment. He was awesome, but I would say probably the one and only thing I could agree with her on, even though she used it in a different context, is Governor, you're absolutely right. Schools are not a one-size-fit-all because kids are not a one-size-fit-all. Accidentally hit on the truth, right? Yeah. Well, the, the, All right, Greg, are you ready for this? Can you? Is, do you have a bright spot? It was it was Monty. <laughs> yeah. well, he's he appears to have done more to fix the roads um, in in his thirteen years yes. than than Whit, you know Whitmer did in her entire first term there. And, so. and I do appreciate her shout out to to uh, Bill Milliken, but uh, again, it was duplicitous. So yeah, it falls flat. All right. Well, this has been very fun. Appreciate everybody taking the time to come in and do this. And uh, thank you, listeners. We look forward to continuing this and uh, happy to take any feedback you may have down the road. And that's a wrap. Thank you.